You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The South Africa 2020 supplementary budget was delivered yesterday and now the dust has settled. What is the consensus on this or what is the opinion of the chief economist of Investec in Johannesburg, Annabel Bishop? Annabel, I've read your note and I'm just sort of looking at different people's opinions. Some people say the numbers don't add up. Some people say that um, it sounds acceptable, but can we deliver it? I don't know. I'm, the jury's out. I'm not an economist, but you are. What is your opinion now that you've had a good chance to have a look at it in detail? It's going to be very difficult to achieve. And I think there probably are some gaps in information. And obviously, the alternatives are a lot worse. I found it very interesting they've done an active and passive scenario. But then, of course, they, they've done scenarios before. And obviously, sticking to the one where they're hoping for the debt to consolidate, to peak, and then to come off, because that wasn't the feature previously. And the last budget, so that is a little bit of good news. But the reality of the situation is, if you have a look, Lindsay, you know, bringing your debt levels to 87.4% for a peak. If you add in your state-owned entity, you know, that's around about another 10%. It takes you to about 100% of GDP <laughs> by 2000, you know, 23, 24. And that's a phenomenally high number, so not a good outcome, and I think very negative for rating agencies. Somebody else mentioned that peak. They've had various peaks. They've gone from you know, maybe 30% to 50% to 70%, now 87 I mean, how achievable is it? Because you did intimate <laughs> in your opening answer that maybe it's not that easy to initiate or bring to fruition, if you like. Well, you know, they didn't actually have a peak last time round. <laughs> so I think, you know, this obviously is a better outcome from a peak consolidation point of view, but not obviously from the figure. Um, I think it is going to be really hard to achieve. And perhaps, you know, the most important thing here is really that we, we're finding ourselves in a situation where um, government debt issuance is about a billion rand a day. And this massive increase in issuance, you know, the, the, the planned projection of government debt is something which relies heavily on domestic savings. You know, foreigners have less than 40% of ownership of South African government debt. Lindsay, the savings pool in South Africa is finite. It's not infinite. It's going to run out at some point. And, of course, you know, credit rating downgrades themselves, which this budget does herald, or we believe will result in more credit rating downgrades, those obviously reduce the quality of the debt, and that, of course, is also negative for investors, and that also reduces your investors. So, uh, so very difficult to achieve, Lindsay. And, of course, lastly, you know, South Africa in a debt trap, you know, you using debt to repay debt, you know, borrowing and using that money for current expenditure, whether it's on civil servants, and wages, particularly on interest payments. That's not sustainable either. So, you know, lastly, I suppose a point I'd also like to highlight to you when we're talking about sustainability is, of course, the worries that accessing these hard currency loans, whether it's the IMF, the World Bank, you know, other development banks, the reality of the situation is that hard currency debt it's what saw the default in 1985 in South Africa. It was on the hard currency front, not on the local currency debt. And the um, risk here is obviously if we increase that quantum, you know, South Africa has very volatile exchange rates. And of course, you know, we are likely to continue seeing the rand depreciate on a long-term basis. So that also increases the risk as well and makes it less likely to achieve. So it's a big worry. And of course, the biggest issue really, which I'm sure you're going to chat about, is the public sector wage pool. And are they going to be able to cut that back sufficiently as well? So I suppose we're going to do depend on this zero basing of the budget and, you know, whether they do start as he said with a clean sheet and then reallocate on that basis. Yeah, the interesting thing about the public sector wage bill and cutting it is, is great. First, the, the two problems I have is, number one, the, the buy-in of the unions. 
and also other ministers. But I, I think, given our current situation, there will be some compliance there. But the second thing is that the people that are um, either retrenched or sacked or whatever it is have to get benefits. So that puts another strain on the economy. So it's an interesting balancing act. What do you think? Well, you know, if you look at the funding of these benefits, particularly the UIF, Lindsay, the more people that lose their jobs, <laughs> the less money is going into the UIF as opposed to coming out of the UIF. Now, we know that there's a lot of problems with the UIF from a um, paying out perspective, making payments, you know, sending payments to people is proving to be very difficult for many to access it. But, you know, the reality of the situation is they're going to be uh, the private sector is going to see incomes a lot lower this year than they were last year, whether it's obviously, as we talked about, from people getting retrenched or um, outright, you know, businesses closing their doors permanently, people losing their companies. Also, of course, reduced salaries and wages, people seeing um, no salary and wage increases, so in real terms, less, but certainly in normal terms as well. People foregoing bonuses, other forms of remuneration, such as rentals from properties, you know, people finding a great difficulty in paying their rents and getting, you know, rental holidays from um their landlords, dividends are down. In general, the private sector is going to see substantially lower remuneration this year than last year. And that's also one of the factors that will impact negatively on the UIF and the ability of government to make these payments, as you say. You say in one of your paragraphs, you say the biggest risk SA faces in its massive quantum of debt issuance is investor appetite. Now, at the moment, people have an appetite for South African debt because we saw yesterday after the budget, I think the 10-year went from uh, around about 9.35 to 9.15. It's obviously retraced a little bit today because we're in an international risk-off environment. But is there a danger that people say, well, I've had my 135 to, to, to 9% move. I'm going to take my money out. And this was a short-term portfolio inflow. Is there any danger that the, the bond market starts to now look a little bit jittery? Look, I think, I think certainly, you know, we found ourselves in a situation where we mustn't forget why the bond market is where it is. <laughs> that is because government, the, the South African Reserve Bank, has been heavily involved in buying bonds in the market. Yes. And that has seen a huge support for bond yields. And that's come down massively. That support came through again after the mini credit rating downgrade. It's probably come through again off the budget. I would say that, uh, you know, the movements in bond yields are probably not reflective of, 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 of pure market dynamics. It's probably not free market trading. I think there's a huge amount of reserve bank support in the market to prevent dislocation. I wouldn't necessarily read the bond yields as indicating typically much on investor what I would say to you is that certainly there's investor appetite for high-yielding assets, um, given you know that the interest rates in the United States are zero bound, and of course as well, given the fact that there is phenomenal quantitative lending um, globally, um, particularly in the U.S. And of course, you know, borrowing um, at, at, at these exceptionally um, low levels once again, and um, investing in your high-yielding um, assets around the world is is, is flavour of, of, of the moment. And of course, you know that's probably likely to persist. The United States has shown no desire to end QE or even give an intimation on that. And that is very supportive for emerging market assets, not so much for our equities in South Africa, given our poor economic growth performance, but very much for the bonds. So, you know, I would say that that is probably what's driving the bond deals at the moment, those two factors. And, of course, you know, markets expecting a bad budget. And really, you know, remember market investors are in for the short term, you know, for the quick money. And, of course, the carry trade seeing massive benefit from domestically in South Africa as well, from South Africa's very low repo rate versus the very yeah. high bond yield. You know, I, I wouldn't say that in any way there was anything positive about this budget would have increased appetite, but rather it's purely a um, yield-seeking yield exercise. 
certainly sounds like it. The finance minister, you say, which is sort of slightly ominous, you say the finance minister is set to announce tax increases in the 2021 budget. Now, you say that he didn't have time to deliver the workings behind these. But on the other hand, I just think it could be that. But it also was the timing was totally wrong. He was lo- he was looking at giving us some hope. So he couldn't have said, and by the way, I'm at the end of the speech, I'm increasing taxes by this amount on, on these brackets. But you think 2021, it's an inevitability, do you? Well, you know, I certainly agree with you. Now's <laughs> not the time to put out a big tax um, hack. But then, on the other hand, you know, next year we, I think, I think the budget figures that and here we're talking about economic growth now that the national treasury has put out probably are once again, uh, you know, um, overestimating the performance. You know, we typically see national treasury put out and, uh, and other government institutions put out forecasts in economic growth for South Africa that are always woefully too high and it always comes out worse. I think it's going to happen again. We've got a um, 10% contraction in GDP for this year, not 7%. And you're probably going to say, oh, what's the difference between the two? But, you know, the reality is, you know, next year for the economic growth, the treasury has got the uh, forecast upwards of 2% and we've got it below it. And we believe that there's going to be sheer difficulty in, you know, getting the economy going fast this year. We're really seeing huge electricity blackouts. And of course, you know, that is a key factor for economic growth inside of electricity capacity. You know, the to, to get to um, a 7% contraction this year, you're going to have to have a bigger rebound in the third quarter than the 16% that we've got. And, you know, if, if you're already finding electricity capacity constrained at, in the second quarter, we have our biggest contraction, what does that mean for the rest of this year? And certainly for next year, you know, next year, even to get to close to 2%, we're going to have some very large quarterly growth rates. And again, is that going to be achievable? if you've got massive electricity capacity. So, you know, the, the situation is that will then in turn feed into the government revenue figures, into the ability to collect tax, and of course, obviously impact the government finance figures. So, you know, the the, the the GDP itself, the actual nominal GDP itself, is probably a bit overestimated from the National Treasury. The 2020 supplementary budget is not an austerity budget, you say, but the 2021 budget is likely to be one, likely to be an austerity budget, if only in part. However, the alternative is much worse. So they're doing what they can. As I always say, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear and you can't keep on robbing Peter to pay Paul. So in general, do you think he did a a, a good job, even if it's not implementable? Well, if it's not implemented, it won't be a good job. <laughs> so I think he didn't. Well, in the short term, of course, he's made people think, and the rating agencies, they may think, well, we'll look through the numbers, but at first glance, it looks okay. I mean, that's what I, that's the sense I get. I, I, I sense, Annabelle, that we're so vulnerable to an external shock. I mean, the internal shocks are there all the time and we're numbed to them. But if there's an external shock, in other words, a huge risk off trade because of uh, a massive spike again in COVID-19 cases worldwide or trade wars, whatever it is, I just think we're skating on thin ice. Let me tell you why I disagree with you, Lindsay, from a um, credit rating perspective. Mm. And, you know, very much we are perhaps forgetting, you know, the credit rating agency's primary objective is to assess your ability to repay your debt. They have no other objective. All the objective is to see how likely are you to repay your debt. And if you're going to increase your quantum of debt from maybe 65 to 80% this year, and then, you know, <laughs> still up to 90% the next few years, your ability to repay your debt has declined massively. And you, the credit rating agencies will have absolutely no other option but to reflect that. They cannot say that your ability to repay the debt has improved or stayed the same. 
which means that their ranking of your, your their rating of your ability to repay your debt, your, their rating of your credit, will deteriorate. And you know, Standard & Poor's already has South Africa on double B negative. The next rung is single B. And of course, you know, that's our country rating, our foreign currency rating. And of course, if we slip down into the single B categories, after that comes the C grade categories, you know, followed by D for default. So this is where we're sitting at the moment. This is a huge risk that Tito Mbwini is talking about. And no, I don't think the credit rating agencies will look through this and ignore it. I think they will react this year, if not in November, then perhaps sooner than that. And of course, remember that Moody's already has South Africa on a negative outlook, and we probably will downgrade us because of this budget. You, you know, you, you cannot move from a debt quantum in the 60s to in the 80s in in, in, in a few short um, mere months, with, you know, for, for, for the projection for the current fiscal year, not anticipated credit rating downgrade. The credit rating agencies themselves have said that there's been a huge slew of downgrades around the world. And if you actually have a look at the entities that they downgrade, you know, certain S standard and poor says from a corporate perspective, over 30 corporates have dropped from um, investment to sub-investment grade. And of course, you know, reviewing both corporates and um countries. And this downward credit rating trend is a real thing this year. So no, I think we will get a credit rating downgrade. So Annabelle, after after you've reviewed what you saw yesterday, are you more, less or the same uh, regarding the future of, of South Africa's uh, fiscus and economy? You know, I feel very cheered. I feel, very, I feel happy having um, Finance Minister Mbawini's Proposals and plans, and certainly hearing about the zero-based budgeting, and of course the um, cutback. Servants should not be getting inflation increases, or certainly not increases above inflation this year. They should not be getting bonuses. They should not be getting natural wage progression. Absolutely, no one's getting that in the private sector whatsoever. Mm. And you know, in the private sector, people are getting paid less than last year, massively less. So you know, the private sector should not be the the the, the Government should not be being paid massively more. And in fact, you know, President Ramaphosa himself talks about the need for a compact agreement between the communities and government, as well as business and labor. You can't have government, civil service employees living, you know, with absolute largesse and luxury in the face of sheer crisis and pain from people in the community, you know, the low-income earners. So, no, I, I, I think that Tito Mbwini is really on the right track. I find it incredibly disheartening, however, that he has such a low level of support from the ANC and chief mm-hmm. policymakers. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, the lack of political will to um, enforce and to undertake the growth reforms that he's proposed. I think the outdated um, socialist and communist methodology of state intervention, state control and increasing it has been key reason why South Africa has seen a massive collapse in economic growth since 2013 to date. And of course, you know, the that, that has manifested itself in a huge increase in regulations in South Africa, which has strangled the economy. And collapsed of ease of doing business. And if you have a look at the ease of doing business, it's ranked by the World Bank. We've seen the collapse and they state it's both because of our increase in regulations and obviously the problems we've had electricity. So, you know, Tito Mbawini has done everything he possibly can to um, try and sort the situation out. And the failure of it will be on, on government's head and on the tripartite alliance, not, not on the minister, because if they do not actually see the reality and, you know, massively reduce the ease of doing business and, of course, actually improve 
you know, the ability for corporates to operate in South Africa. You know, we need to see actually tech cuts, tech breaks on corporates like we saw in the 2000s. We need to see huge government incentives and fiscal stimulus directed at corporates, you know, with, with, with the tax breaks, as I said, and other measures to stimulate economic growth. But instead, we're talking about, you know, tax hikes. And of course, there is the um, dead hand of the state that wants to increase its size continuously. This is going to slow economic growth down further. You know, next year, the, 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 the lift in economic growth that National Treasury forecasts is going to be hamstrung by tax hikes and by electricity, poor electricity capacity. And we're probably not going to see recovery from the COVID-19 crisis this year. Just like we didn't see recovery from the 2008-2009 crisis because of the massive increase in government control that came thereafter. So, you know, that's really what's worrying me, you know, if you will, um, Lindsay. Not, not, not the finance minister himself, but, you know, what the state then does with it. So much to think about and so much will unravel over the next few days, weeks and months and maybe even years. Annabel Bishop, thank you so much for your time. Annabel is the Chief Economist at Investec in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.